0: Support for this podcast comes from Monster. Monster takes your open positions to hard-to-reach passive candidates on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and hundreds of sites across the web, while their Swipe right mobile app presents active job seekers with the most relevant opportunities and can increase mobile applications fourfold. What's more, Monster inspire customers to attract diverse talent and grow their employer brand. To find out how Monster can help you find, manage and champion the talent you deserve, visit monster.co.uk slash bettertalent. That's monster.co.uk slash bettertalent. Monster, in your corner. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine. all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 122 of the Recruiting Future podcast. In order to stay relevant in changing business environments, it's vital that talent acquisition becomes ever more sophisticated. Data-driven decision-making is often talked about in our industry, but how does it actually work in practice? My guest this week is Alan Agnew, Global Head of Talent Sourcing and Talent Analytics at Philips. Philips are pioneering a talent intelligence approach to solving resourcing challenges, making this an absolutely must-listen interview for every talent acquisition leader. Hi, Alan, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Um, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and sort of tell everyone a little bit about you?
1: Of course. So Alan Agnew, uh, Global Head of Sourcing, uh, Head of Campus and Head of Talent Intelligence at Philips. Uh, I returned to the UK just recently after 10 years away. Uh, during that time, been very lucky to hold a, a variety of roles within HR, working in some exciting places at some exciting times. Uh, I was head of executive hiring for Eviva in the UK before as a common opportunity came up to set up the Middle East office, working in Dubai and working on a joint venture with Emirates Bank. So I experienced the, the boom and bust of the region all in the space of 12 months from being sort of first man on the ground, buying office furniture with my credit cards to trying to expense cash purchases for visas and that sort of thing. So that was an experience. Um, I then moved to Singapore with Eviva as the HR director for APAC with a remit to localise the business, uh, replacing expats who were there on assignment with local talent and really promoting a local culture fitting with our customer base. Uh, my own expat assignment was then up uh, and I wasn't quite ready to leave Asia yet. So I joined VP, which uh, was just after the Deepwater Horizon spill. Uh, I joined in a general talent role, which as you can imagine quickly turned into a, a very much an employment branding position. First of all, very much damage limitation, but then a real opportunity to get creative, which is unusual for a big multinational company in that space. Uh, And then I joined Philips in Singapore uh, as head of talent acquisition for the emerging markets. Uh, My scope included China, which was experiencing double-digit growth at the time. Africa, which was unlocking new markets on a a monthly basis. India was fast becoming a a software hub for us. Uh, And Asia, uh, ASEAN which was a new market entry into Myanmar and to Brunei. Uh, so very interesting times. Um, and then also during that time, had had a common base in Sydney to lead an HR transformation for the region. My current role uh, has seen me relocate to Amsterdam, uh, then on to New York and then finally back to the UK with plenty of frequent flyer miles back into Amsterdam. Uh, initially set up a talent intelligence function. Uh, so centralised function providing market and talent intelligence which really allows us to make informed decisions. Uh, We contribute to the M&A activity, uh, both through identification and assessment. Uh, Of course, our location strategy, uh, trying to determine our buy versus build strategy through skills research, and really sort of transforming the sourcing team as well, uh, in light of the Philips transformation at that time uh, that was on our agenda.
0: Fantastic. Um, that's certainly a very interesting um, background, it's taken in a lot of different uh, a lot of different places and challenges as well. Um, before, I'm really interested to sort of talk a bit more about how the the journey Phillips has been on, and uh, you know, get some more insight into. The talent intelligence approach um, before that though could you um, perhaps just give us a bit of an insight into um, the the sort of the resourcing challenges that, that a company like Philips um, that Philips might, 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 might face you know what's what's kind of going on within the organization?
1: Sure so uh, we've been on a bit of a journey in terms of how our sourcing stru- is structured uh, our sourcing team was followed the traditional model of all hard to fill roles uh, with high volume uh, now, the problem there with Philips going through a transformation is that all or most roles were hard to fill. Uh, we had big variety. So one week, one day we could be starting on our head of legal, the next day head of digital. And so more often than not, we were starting with a blank piece of paper and we really were playing the role of order takers. Uh, we were receiving roles that recruiters had been working on for weeks. So starting on a back foot. Uh, And we were competing against the inbox of immediately available candidates and against agencies. And I think the tipping point came for me is when I heard on the telephone some of our um, sources speaking to candidates and putting the phone down quite quickly. And as they put the phone down, they said, well, he was great, but just not right for the high volume of recruitment that I had on my desk at this moment in time. So with that, we redesigned the scope of the sourcing team. Um, My team is now functionally aligned against only three key segments which were carefully selected um, identified as being key segments to accelerate our transformation so digital being one whereby i think we need to be creative in our search because you don't find these guys on linkedin research and development is another um, that's full of new roles in the marketplace and the other one is quality and regulatory um, which by philip's own admission had gone through a bit of reputational damage uh, sort of three or four years ago and so real need for personal outreach to talk about our new strategy and our new leadership in that in that form. So three key segments only. Um, we were engaged on an exclusive basis from day one. Um, we reduced the volume to a maximum of 15 roles per saucer, and we did that by increasing the team size. So we're up to 60 as it stands today. We are based in our global hubs and where the talent supply is located as well. And that allows us to importantly focus on 50% delivering against shortlists and 50% of our time is on building talent intelligence and talent pipelines. And this enables us to build expertise in their field and to really play that strategic advisor role. So that's what we've done in in the sourcing space. Um, I can give you one example of, of, of where we've been maybe a little bit strategic in that space as well. Philips as a business um, we've traditionally recruited from within industry uh, and if I'm really honest from the same three or four competitors but the rapid digitalization in our industry has really ignited the demand for software enabled solutions so we quoted as being around about a hundred billion dollar industry and so what you've seen with Philips in the last sort of five six years is that we've divested away from televisions from audio and from lighting to now being an organisation that just provide connected care and health informatics across Health Continuum. So that is things like wearables technology, home healthcare solutions, mobile ultrasound. And the challenge for the recruitment team is that we now need to recruit new profiles from unfamiliar industries into healthcare and to accelerate our transformation and digitalize the industry. So, we came up with what we call a high-value target concept, HVT concept, whereby as a recruitment function, we prioritise where we select our candidates from, from a select set of companies, and we recognise those companies as being best in class for those skill sets. So, we identify these based on their criteria of maybe they're award-winning, maybe it's market sentiment. Certainly, they're going to be companies that yield a high-quality candidate For us in the past. They themselves, I'm sure, would boast strong talent development programs, and I'd hope they would complement our locations and our culture as well. So we do the research, come up with this list, uh, we validate that with our leaders and our local recruiters. Uh, We have 100 companies in total, and now you can give me a a skill requirement and a location, and I'd be confident that we could identify the top talent source in that space. One further point I would, I'd add on that as well is the fact it's been a bit of a change program uh, because there has been a big, big, big change in direction for Philips. So we needed executive leader sponsorship uh, up front, making sure we're in line with the future direction of the organization. A lot of support from talent acquisition. So uh, if you imagine a, a hiring manager who's always interviewed a candidate from a competitor, it's more a case of who you know and talk about the local regulations rather than interviewing somebody from a different industry, which is going to be very challenging. Same with the induction piece as well. You can almost sit somebody down from a competitor and say, okay, it's a similar type of work. Get on with it. Versus you need to start learning about the regulations of healthcare, our processes, being able to navigate Philips as an organization. And then we'd also get the support from the leader because there's acknowledgement that this is a longer time to recruit and longer time to be fully productive in this role as well. So in total, the recruitment is a shared decision. And we, of course, do lots of reporting, sharing successes of candidate conversion as a result of our personal outreach.
0: I mean, that sounds like a, a, a really sort of, you know, major ev- evolution and a kind of really interesting journey to, to, to have been on. Um, how has the, the, the way that you actually sort of, you know, personally outreach to candidates changed as um, part of all of this?
1: Yeah, it's had to, Matt. Um... I think technology within talent acquisition and HR in general is, is levelling the playing field in terms of candidate search. Uh, I think meaning the potential candidates are approached continuously, which probably explains why there are so few software engineers on LinkedIn, for example. Uh, and I think that puts additional pressure on that very first outreach to potential candidates. So I think aligning our, our sourcing team to be functionally aligned is important because it ensures our candidates are talking to the recruiting experts in their field. So we can talk the language of what they do. Uh, We can talk about Philips strategy for exactly both as an organization and also what they do. And we can talk about our global footprint in that space as well. But we use talent intelligence to to personalize outreach as much as possible. Uh, And I'm not talking about automated emails quotes back your LinkedIn profile, which is around at the moment but we do want them to be more excited about Philips and having a reason to get excited about Philips. So to complement the high value targets, we have developed high value target battle cards. So continuing the war analogy, each company then has a a comparison of what they do as an organization versus the EVP of Philips. So it could be anything around career progression, work-life balance, growth strategy, and we make a direct comparison to the company that they work for and the EVP of Philips. And it's the intelligence that we uh, source from places like Glassdoor, from the company annual reports. It could be insights from candidates that we actually interviewed in the past ourselves. And from that, we've got what we call a battle card that, without scripting our recruiters, highlights some of the areas that the candidates may be interested in. So we already. Ensure that the recruiter talking to the candidate has the functional knowledge, they speak their language. We highlight where Philips is strong in our EVP without, of course, being critical of where they work. Uh, we may talk about the latest financial results or whatever is in the market news at the moment. Uh, we would, of course, highlight employees that have recently made this successful transition from the company X to Philips. We'd be very, very open about the projects they would work on. Uh, And refer to some of our marketing campaigns. We have one called Code to Care at the moment for digital software engineers, which is really trying to attract software engineers from the games industry to come and code and help save lives and basically prioritizing our approach by personalizing it as much as possible.
0: So you, you mentioned, um, talent intelligence sort of several times as a, as a kind of a central core of what you do and something that informs everything that you do. Can you sort of tell us a little bit more about it? I mean, what, what does that, uh, what does that mean to Philips? What does it consist of and, and, and how, what other ways does it help you?
1: Sure. So, um, we've made talent intelligence, one of the, the foundations for pretty much everything we do in talent acquisition, um, And I guess at its most basic and most tangible, we bring talent intelligence every time we take on a new position with a hiring manager. So he or she would list some criteria that they are acquiring for for the individual. And then we would bring the data to help redefine some of those roles using in particular talent pool insights and and talking about what is possible in the marketplace. Uh, And that could be anything from, okay, uh, I need somebody with a master's degree and I need them located in Eindhoven, we would bring some of the talent pool insights to say, okay, well, the pool in Eindhoven is very small. However, if we start looking at less of a master's degree qualification, but more maybe just a general bachelor's degree, this is how it increases your talent pool. We may look at having two coding languages experience rather than the three that was initially asked for, making sure that that could be served maybe somewhere elsewhere in the organisation. Uh, And it would make our life a lot easier. But importantly, we're managing the expectations of the hiring manager. Now, the the next step of that is to develop what we call a total workforce demand solution. Uh, And that's really starting to assess the needs of the business versus hiring solutions. Meaning, do we need a permanent hire within that role? Could it be aqua hiring as as a solution? Contingent or contractors or even contracting out? And we're looking at sourcing all of these different channels ourselves within Philips. Then probably maybe at a a more strategic level uh, in terms of talent intelligence. Well, we've always historically made decisions based on macroeconomic factors, uh, such as the location move. It would be based upon cost basis, maybe tax incentives, the political climate or even following the competition at times. But I believe the TA function has really firmly earned a seat at the table such as the importance of talent supply in location strategy. Uh, I think it was PwC a couple of years ago, put a figure of $150 billion on what they call talent mismatch, whereby organisations could not recruit according to their strategic workforce plans. And that's really the role that we play to try and bridge some of that gap. So as a result, any location change within Philips needs to go through my team. Uh, Our team study the talent supply on locations. Um, both the current supply and also the future state as well. Um, We do that using everything that's in the public domain. So migration trends, we look at university graduate volumes, we look at the skills development, etc. And then we can extend that to being not just location specific, but general market specific as well. So a general skills assessment, comparing the future demand of Philips uh, and our competitors as well, that's who we're competing against, versus the future supply. And that combined helps us start determining our buy versus build strategy. So that's probably two examples uh, at both extremes where we've used talent intelligence to start impacting some of those commercial decisions. Um, where I'm very keen for the function to go next is looking and working closely with our sales and bid teams as well, and what talent insights can provide into those teams for competitive advantage in sales or, or bid management
0: that's an absolutely fascinating approach what what kind of results have you got from it what what are you seeing in terms of um you know what's coming back from this sort of intelligence centric way of uh, approaching resourcing
1: uh well a couple of things so in the location example that i just gave we've actually we've actually vetoed and blocked some of the locations simply because we didn't think there was enough talent available uh, longer term there um and again, that was one of maybe three or four different factors why we actually didn't go ahead with those locations in the end. But I think it was an important contribution that we made. From an m and perspective, we are asked to do an assessment on organisations we're potentially targeting uh, or acquiring, I should say. And we assess the talent that currently exists within that organisation and what they would be looking for in the future. And again, that's sort of rubber stamping some of those acquisitions. And then in aqua hiring as well, where we've been uh, asked to look at particular skill sets, uh, how long would that take to build versus to buy? We realized that the candidate market was particularly small in that space. And so we actually recommended a couple of aqua hires of some smaller organizations that had that talent in abundance. Uh, And so a couple of those are actually going through uh, due process as we speak.
0: You mentioned technology earlier as as being something that's kind of you know rapidly sort of changing and influencing the 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 resourcing and uh, talent attraction space. Um, how how do you guys use technology to kind of support these 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 processes? What sort of um, you know h- how does it help you deliver deliver on all of this?
1: So I think um, obviously the data piece is huge. Uh, data is available uh, to anybody that wants it that, that wants to go looking for it. Uh, for some of this data, you can pay an additional premium, of course, and have it consolidated. Uh, but I guess the, the real key piece is how do we interpret that data, and what does that then mean for Philips as an organisation? And that's where we sort of, I guess, really sort of uh, earn our pound of flesh, as it were. Um, so translating whatever is available in that marketplace—that um, could be through a variety of sources; it could be through some basic LinkedIn talent data. It could be something a little bit more advanced, such as a talent neuron data assessment. Um, and, uh, and then we translate that and put it into a business context. So what does that mean for Philips?
0: Final question. What's next? I mean, where, where do you take this next? How, how do you see it developing over the next sort of 18 months, two years?
1: Uh, I think if you look at the foundational pillars um, that TA is based upon, I, I don't think much has changed uh, in, in recent times and probably even longer times as well. I think, certainly, if you compare to other industries, um, we watch our TV on demand, we stream our music, we download our books, and we rate our Uber drivers. I think recruitment is crying out for that consumerism approach, uh, at the very least. So transparency through our recruitment process uh, and career paths, so knowing exactly who you're going to meet, how long that's going to take, when there's going to be a decision, for example. Personalization is a big one. The targeted outreach is a basic example that I gave us, but I see that advancing. Uh, Personalization through assessment, through induction, through reward. Uh, I think it still amuses me how there's a one size fits all policy in organizations that is expected to benefit the five generations of employees, uh, whilst at the same time, we are all aiming for a diverse workforce. Uh, And I think continued data driven decision making as well. Uh, If you look at the employment trends, the, the big two are very interesting. The concept of the gig worker, to me, is a realisation simply of the flexible firm concept, which was uh, coined by Atkinson, I think, in the 80s, which was having a set of core workers and peripheral workers. And then the other big trend featuring in the media at the moment is the demand for talent, how it's outstripping supply. Uh, It's what keeps us awake at night. And, of course, was exactly that concept predicted by McKinsey in The War for Talent. And that was published in the 90s. So I think these secular trends um, may have peaked at the moment, but may not have matured. And so I'm sure probably in the next 10 years or so that we will still be planning for changing demographics, changing our workforce composition. Um, I just hope and pray that we would have all agree by then that AI and robotics will augment our workforce rather than be taking over our jobs, because that's a continuous debate.
0: Absolutely. We, we live in very interesting times. Alan, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you, Matt. My thanks to Alan Agnew. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com, On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me.
1: This is my show.